praise you, Jesus. What a Savior, what a King of glory, what hope and promise that we rest in on this day. And Christ, we, we come and meet with you at a table that is a, a place of sacred communion and glorious rejoicing as your church and your people. God, we come with hallelujahs in our heart that is that our heart cries and declarations of joy and wonder at our Savior and King and Redeemer. Lord, we love you. We thank you as your church for the privilege of coming and uniting in prayer. God, uniting our hearts around your great goodness. God, uniting in a common desire for you to search us and draw us to yourself. God, that is a quintessential call of your communion table. And God, to respond to you with openness and joy and wonder as you move and mobilize our hearts in light of who you are to repentance and to wholeness in you. Oh, Jesus, what a Savior. Father, draw us to yourself and draw us to increasing, ever-increasing hope in you, a hope that is eternal, a hope that, that lasts, a hope that, that completely shepherds our heart toward you. Father, you are good. And God, your mercies, they are meeting us in this moment, in this day. And so, Father, I pray for a newness to who you are and a newness in your mercies. And it's in the precious and glorious name that we pray and hold fast. Amen. Thank you, Lord. So I, I would like, if, if you would allow me to just mobilize us to a place of communion. It's, it's sacred communion, and it just moves us into this reality of the hope that we have in Jesus and what it means to be complete in him. And if you have scripture, you can turn to the last chapter of the book of Luke, and I will land there in just a few moments. We have um, been in a series, and we began, and we will now close this series um, at the table of communion. Just simply saying, Lord, this hope that we have that doesn't disappoint, this hope that we have that is found in you, um, it is found in and through your cross and your resurrection. And Father, you call us to the same place. And so um, welcome to worship today. If you're a guest, we've been walking the last seven weeks in this idea and reality and truth that this hope that we have in Jesus, it does not disappoint. It is a hope that is fulfilling and completes us. And it is a hope that meets us in the midst of every life circumstance. And so um, it truly does not disappoint. I um, I want to read to you a simple sentence, and then I'm going to piggyback on um, Amanda just a little bit, and just the stories that she shared, because um, as I read about hope, I, I wrote down this sentence this week, maybe actually a couple of weeks ago, hope is a holy mystery that is forged as we know, and follow a glorious rescuer, redeemer, and trustworthy Savior. If I could just plant a seed in your soul and in the very core of this room so that we could gather at this table. It would be this, our God is trustworthy. As I um, began the series in Romans, the fifth chapter, in the middle of our trials and sacrifices and sorrows that will come our way, God is bearing up in the midst of those endurance and perseverance and character and hope. And the hope in Romans 5, 5, 5, 5 it won't disappoint us. And this, this mystery that we have, it's a holy mystery as we walk this broken road saying, God, we follow you. You're a glorious rescuer, redeemer. You, Lord, are trustworthy. 
And I don't say that lightly. Neither does Paul when he writes about what it means to endure and to hope deeply in Jesus. He, he writes of this in the mystery at times saying, God, I don't know what you have going, but oh God, you are so good. That's what we have to declare among generations in this room is just this declaration of God, we hope in you and we hope deeply in you and we gather at your communion table. One of the neatest aspects that um, you'll see as we all wear our shirts and are prepared to share stories with you um, after worship today, and, and there could be um, so many different stories from the trivial and the laughter that was abounding um, to the ability to paint 11 classrooms in a you know, hundred and some degrees to, um, I particularly, Pawnee, liked your story uh, that I walked in and saw as she stands on the very top rung of the ladder. Um, I think no OSHA standards were fulfilled in that moment as, um, as she's painting the roof um, of a room at five foot one. And so um, it, was, it was an amazing trip, but it was a declaration trip. I didn't even realize this, didn't even think about this until I was pausing and praising God for his adventures in Haiti and um, um I just started to think of our heartbeat, which is one generation declaring the redemptive story of God and making much of who he is as we live out Jesus on everyday mission, whether it's being, um, and I'm praying for this as a church, whether it's being the first in, because many of you will stop and go, what are they doing with Tillgate? Just dive in with us and begin to identify the five people that you want to hear about Jesus. And if, you, if we will universally dive in, our parking lot will be flooded with people and they will be taught about the grace and knowledge of Jesus. And so generations just declaring that. But I began to think about, God, what are you doing here among us as generations declare? And I was praying for our team and thanking God for our team and thanking God for the craziness and the joy and the wonder and the survival and all of those things. And then it struck me as we make declarations across generations. We were, this is just cool. You can nod or if you feel worthy, just kind of celebrate in your heart a little bit. I was journaling and just writing God going, I love this church. Because, because we were represented on this team by um, a, a person in their 70s. And we were represented on this team by a person in their 60s. And we were represented on this team by um, people in their 50s. And we were represented on this team by people in their 40s. And we were represented on this team by people in their 30s. And we should have been represented by people on this team in their 20s because there's three that I've never not gone with before, but they were zero for three on this particular trip. So we're going to count Travis as a 19-year-old, almost 20. So we were, um, we were represented by, he's not even 19 and a half. I can't even get there. But we wanted to be represented in our 20s. And then we were represented in this by our teens. Yes! Yes! Thank you. Wilgins is 21. My, my journal is going to add an entry right now. Yes! You don't know. Mine just have chill bumps. So we were represented as 70s, 60s, 50s, 40s, 30s, 20s, unite! Teenagers were on the trip with us, and we were represented by preteens. I just think that's awesome as we say, as the heartbeat of this church, that generations will declare together the redemptive story of God that we will commonly join at a sacred table and boast loudly and gloriously in the cross. And we don't just kind of share that at this table. We share that in a worship encounter last week in another nation. We share that as a body of believers. Welcome to Mandarin. 
And if you haven't gathered that as sacred in your heart, just praise God for it this week. And I think he will join with you because Psalm 145 says that that's true of him. The generations will declare the glory and the wonder of God. And I I just begin to wrestle with this hope as a holy mystery forged as we follow a glorious rescuer, redeemer, redeemer and savior. And, um, and then again, Amanda started this story. And I just want to deepen this a minute because there's a mysterious nature of God and, and how he works. And many of you are sitting in unknown situations. I have no doubt this morning. Some of them are unknown because they're extraordinarily painful. Some of them are unknown because you're walking through a grievous illness. Some of them are unknown just because you don't know what the next step is in your life. Some of them are unknown because you have not yet come to know Jesus. Some of them are unknown for all types of reasons. And I can't fill in every reason in blank, but I I did sit last week and hear a story I've heard multiple times over and it never fails um, to draw me into the holy mystery of God. And so like you, um, Amanda, I have pictures and the first picture is coming on the screen and she's already shared this picture. This was a sacred moment. Um, in, in, um, in Haiti, there are spaces that are sacred. They really are. Not just like, you know, we think this is sacred. I'm truly um, it is hilltop places where you go and you seek God. We went to another one of the hilltop places and literally there are um, beddings laid down where people will go and fast and pray for days and or weeks at a time, just seeking the face of God. And this hilltop was one of those places. And this is our team gathered around and under the tree, if you can see it, is Mike. And Mike Snyder is um, in Cabaret, lives there, came out of this church, was sitting on a roof in Jacksonville when the Holy Spirit just whispered to him, I'm Mike, you're leaving and you're going to go spend, you know, however long in Haiti. It's been eight or nine years at this point or longer. And you're going to just give your heart and life away. And Mike said, early on, we went to this sacred top. It's called Terre Noir, And it's a um, hilltop uh, about, uh, I don't know how far it is. Uh, it's a long way up mountains and through hills and across trails. And he said, we were gathered there in this sacred place. And the people began to cry out for the desire for um, a place to worship there. Because they were gathering to worship and we, um, we didn't have an answer for that. And he said, I truly would find myself walking there and sitting on a bench. And that bench is no longer there, but the tree is. And I would just pray and say, Lord, would you answer this prayer? How in the world? Because there's no road here. And this is over mountains and through dells and, you know, all that kind of fun stuff. There's, there's no capacity for us to get things here. How can we even get supplies here? But the people are asking for more Jesus. I think that's happening around us at all times. The people are longing for more Jesus, perhaps even unknown to them, but their hearts are just pounding. Would you show us Jesus? Would you help us to find Jesus? And so he just began to say, Lord, I have no clue how to answer this. It's a holy mystery and hope is a holy mystery forged as we follow a glorious rescuer, redeemer, and savior who answers that. And Mike said, I was sitting on the tree at one point, had my journey with me and I look down and this is what Jesus said the ants are going to do teach you right now it's just covered with ants still is um, they're carrying in various sizes their loads and he said Mike you don't have to understand the mystery you just have to forge into this follow me and as I call you to the communion table I call you into this glorious mystery of the gospel follow me says Jesus There may not be a road for what I put in your heart. You may not have clarity of path for what it is that you're walking through. You may not understand how God is speaking. But here's what I'm asking you in the mystery. Follow me. 
I am a redemptive, rescuing Savior. And I will carry you and I will answer you. If you look at the picture and just swing to the right, what I love about this picture is as Mike said under this tree, completely unknown to him, and Amanda's already said this, he had no idea that there would be a crew from Mandarin that would land in, see the need, see the, un, 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 the place that was unavailed to a, per, a, a place of worship and purposeful manner. And so that we would sit there two years ago with him under the tree and ultimately we would sit this year and look behind the scene and see a church built on a sacred place. We are a part of the ant movement of the living God in a place called Haiti where a hundred people are gathering this morning right now and they are singing and I promise you because I was here last week they don't sing like you and me. Man, they're literally, listen, listen, this is, I'm pray, I'll pray this for you. When I'm worshiping there, I look around and at moments they're on their knees before the living God because they can't sing hallelujah, what a savior without being face down before Christ. They can't sink of their utter ruin before Jesus and their spiritual desperation for Jesus without saying, Jesus, you are the king of glory. And they're, they're shouting us down just a tad right now at Tenwa. And I'm, I'm praying that our hearts will be captured by the mystery of the gospel. And that's what I love just glancing right, but I, I really love the next picture as well. Um, I don't remember what it is, but I, I, I really, Danville, Virginia. Anybody heard of it? Yes. Anybody been there? Thank you. We've got some Danville, Virginia folks. We never knew that Danville, Virginia would, would, would carry ants. They would pick up their load and carry it. Danville, Virginia is nowhere near Jacksonville, Florida. But Danville, Virginia, about 15 yards, about 30 yards below the church, built a school in the last three years. And so we got to paint the school as the last two rooms were finished. And 160 kids have joined with Danville, Virginia and being educated in this school and provided with opportunity. And as Mike is praying for them, we are raising up 700 children who are educated and cast, can cast the net of the living Christ across the nation of Haiti. Glory to God. So I, I, I love this. So we... We joined with Danville. I wish I had this picture. I so wish I had taken a moment to take this picture. This is the moment I told Amanda on the flight over there. I said, I'm praying that Jesus will let me in on this moment because they're drilling a well right beside the school right now. And I've been a part of about two or three dozen well drillings and I've never stood in one. And I just had this hopeful vision that I would stand when the water broke forth and get to stand under it, but it didn't happen. But it's unfolding right now as they're going with the last 90 feet to drive in a well that will completely change the reason with region with education, school, and clean drinking water. And so it's just, Mike's just sitting under a tree going, I don't know how you're going to pull this off, Jesus. I don't know what you're going to do, but I don't know either. But we just stood beside a well drilling truck that will bring water to a mountain region in greater Haiti. And so what's your questions before the Lord? What bench are you sitting on for the sake of the gospel and saying, I don't have a clue how you're going to do this, Lord. It is bigger than what I can be a part of. And hope is a holy mystery forged as we follow a glorious rescuer, redeemer, and trustworthy Savior. And this is the reason why the next pictures that just come up, because if it were about a school or a physical church, that would be a, a travesty. It is about faces and people because we lose sight that we think we're sitting in church right now and the church is on the screen and it's sitting beside you. It is not a physical building. It is about faces and lives that are being transformed for the sake of the gospel. And that's why we're going to risk with this church to be misunderstood and to die 
dive into a thing called Tillgate. We're going to risk in many ways in days ahead for the sake of this city so that we can say to this city, we're here on everyday mission for the sake of the hope of the gospel so that these faces and the faces that surround us day in and day out can hear of the great good news of Jesus. And we're going to do some things to move forward for the sake of that advance. And that just makes my heart thrilled for the hope of the gospel, for the glory of Jesus. Because here's what our team was kind of sharing thoughts. We have this internal thread where we share with each other in the latter part of the week. There was just this lamenting on our part. And it was interesting, lamenting of what, what we were, we wanted to be, and lamenting of being in the middle of that. And I think we're lamenting because we're longing where we unceasingly speak of Jesus. And church, I'm, here's, here's an, I'm imploring you now by the grace and mercy of Christ where we're surrounded by fellow Jesus followers who unceasingly speak of Jesus. I mean, my, my, my kid went to the bus stop Wednesday morning and my heart was broken because when she woke up at 5.30 Haiti, she walked down to singing of the glory of the cross. And she walked out to a bunch of kids on their phone, non-speaking to one another. No interaction. Not one conversation. Not a hello on the three-mile trip to the school. Just this ceaseless, I'm here. And I am just imploring us, oh, for the sake of the gospel, God, that we would speak and sing and rejoice of the wonders of God because we are his people. And we gather in this place to bring all of our heart and soul into this. And so I wrote into that note. I said, I can lament, but I don't think God's calling me to live there. So here's what I'm praying. I am praying that I will be as burdened for the people of Jacksonville as I am for Terranoa right now. And I am praying that I will be as burdened for the people who live around me, the people who are doing life with me, the people that I am meeting at my pool in my neighborhood. I'm praying that God will burden me with that level of passion. And I pray that for us as a church. That this holy mission, I want to sit on the bench and say, oh God, you have put 250,000 people within three miles of us. Can we look down and figure this out? And he'll say, no, but look to the ants and just walk with me. Follow me. I'm trustworthy. I'm a rescuer and I'm a redeemer. Set aside all the thoughts you have of how you're going to pull this off and just follow me. Oh my goodness. I don't remember if I, I do. So um, there's another picture. That's Miss Margaret. So Mike's just telling the story. We're all like sitting down going, Woo! Yes, Lord! You know, all these things. Miss Margaret says, Sounds like we need a bigger vision now. I mean, Mike's just finishing the story. He's not wrapping up. I love her heart. She's just kind of sitting there hearing all of it and kind of sounding like it's accomplished. Now we need a bigger vision. And I just threw the last image up. Just my favorite image of the whole week. Yeah, we do. We just need as a body of believers, and please don't, please don't misapply the last 10 minutes to Haiti. We just need to walk on journey with people and put our, around, our arm around them one at a time and win people because of this winsome, glorious, mysterious, rescuing, reckless Savior that we follow who is unfettered in our hearts. We just need to say, yes, Lord, we need a bigger vision because we want to put our arm around one more person for the sake of the gospel. So that's our table of communion. It's just, Lord, can we walk up and down one more hill together? 
Can we share this journey together? Can we be a part of your holy mystery? When I'm invited to come and hope, I immediately thought, and I will lead you quickly to the communion table now, of the disciples heading into Emmaus after the death of Jesus. And I want to read the scripture in the 24th chapter of the book of Luke for you, if I can, and share an insight or two, and then draw us here to this table. They had left everything they had, these two disciples, and they were walking the road to the Emmaus after the, resur- after the crucifixion. Well, it was after the resurrection as well. They just didn't know it. They kind of thought that might be. And here's the reality for these guys. They're walking in this mystery. This, this forge, it's a, it's a mystery that's forged as they follow a glorious rescuer, redeemer, and trustworthy God. And yet they're walking extraordinarily downtrodden, disappointed, and sorrowful. And they're in the midst of the mystery. And no wonder it's a mystery. They've given up everything to follow Jesus. They've most likely laid down their career, laid down other things, and they've followed him. And the best that they can tell, and what they're able to see is that they're their king, their glorious one, was just crucified and he is dead and in a tomb. And they're hearing rumors that maybe something else has happened, but they've watched him betrayed, beaten, and crucified. They've watched his silence and they've watched his response. And they, they likely had no idea that while he was being crucified, he was being himself. He was speaking into eternal realms. He was forgiving of sin. He was shouting out of the glory of God. He was telling a guy he would meet him in the heavenlies. For in the cross, there was redemption, reconciliation, rescue. In the torment, there was the work of the kingdom moving forward. They just didn't get to catch all that. As they talked about this among themselves, here's what they said. The scripture says in Luke 24 that Jesus came and he walked with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. The version I'm reading says they were prevented from recognizing him. I wonder what prevents us from recognizing Jesus in the mystery of the journey today. I think we want to make that really this big theological construct. I wonder if their hopelessness blinded them to the reality and work of the cross and the empty tomb. I wonder if their circumstances, they had sacrificed so much, really prevented them from seeing that Jesus is here and he's present. He is with you in this moment. I just tell you, whatever your circumstance you're walking through, this hope in Christ will not disappoint. He is here right now. Did their circumstance overwhelm them? Was their faith limited to only their current steps? Can I just say that again? Was their faith in this moment limited only to their current steps? In their greatest of disappointment, Jesus walks with them. That just makes me breathe. Jesus asked how they're doing, what's going on, and here was their answer. Here was their answer, and it's a past tense answer. We had hoped. Does that not define most of our lives? I had hoped for a very different outcome. We had hoped that we had met the consolation of Israel. We had put a lot of our hope in this circumstance. We had hoped for better than this. We had hoped that the greater kingdom was coming. And Jesus in his grace and his kindness did not chastise them. 
Can you imagine Jesus walking around you in this moment, in this day? Or let's walk with him for the last week. I promise you, Susan and I, Susan can vouch for my promise right now. She can amen in this moment. I have had more, we had hoped moments in the last three or four days. And I'm preaching this message and I, I just said to her, this sermon is so for me. You know, I was lo- I'm looking at multiple sermons. I had hoped that this was going to be different. I'm not, you know, just crying in my little cup going, I'd hope for something, a better outcome, you know? And the Lord's going, hey, I'm here. I'm present. There's nothing in your life that has to sifted through my hands. There's nothing that can't draw you more to me. There's nothing in your life that doesn't lead you to a righteous, redeeming, trustworthy Savior. And their answer, we had hoped, we had hoped something would be better, different, wonderful, better, not this, no. And in Luke 24, 28 through 35, they came near the village where they were going and he gave the impression that he was going to go farther, but they urged him, stay with us, Jesus. Stay with us, Jesus, because it's almost evening. They knew it was Jesus yet. And now the day is almost over, so he went to stay with them. It was as he reclined at the table. Listen, listen. It was as he reclined at the table and took the bread and broke it and gave it to them. And then in that moment, their eyes were opened and he disappeared from their sight. And they said, were our hearts not burning within? Jesus is extraordinarily good at breaking bread and reclining with us and meeting us where we are. And I love that Jesus shares meals together. They were sitting and sharing in a meal together and Jesus broke the bread just as he had done days before and said, my body will be given for you. You had hoped and it is finished. And I'm drawing you to myself. And he just broke the bread. And I love that in the brokenness of the bread and the scenario is where our eyes are opened to the reality and the wonder of the living God. I'm inviting you to this table. It's a table often of brokenness, but oh, it's a table of the heart, eyes of our heart is being open to the works of God. He took the bread and broke it a few nights earlier. As I just mentioned, he had said, this is my body, take and eat of this. He had held a cup that is sitting in front of you. It was an extraordinarily common cup. And he said, this is my blood. It was shed for you in the willing receiving of what may remain mysterious to us. I move toward him. Listen to that again, because that really challenges me. And the willing receiving, as I invite you to this table this morning, it is the willing receiving that you are a trusting person in the worthiness of our God. It may remain mysterious to you, but you sit in the midst and say, Holy God, unveil your life toward me. Would you break the bread of your sacred table again and draw me to a rescuer, a redeemer, and a trustworthy God? Regardless of my circumstance, I will say that again, in the willing receiving of what might remain mysterious to you in this moment, will you trust Jesus? And so that's a more weighty question than you can answer in a few seconds. Jesus reached his nail-scarred hand across and they knew him. You and I are called to communion with Christ, to receive him, to know him, to hope together in him. For our hope in him, Romans 5, 5, will not disappoint. 
I love right after this moment, they got up and they returned at once to Jerusalem. This is almost a post-message for you after we gather at the table. At that moment, right away, they got up. Jesus disappeared, they got up. Can you imagine the contrast in their journeys? The walk to Emmaus, a mysterious wonder. We had hope. Where were you? What is happening? They're returning, walking the same road. And I would imagine they were singing broken hallelujahs the entirety of the way. An extraordinarily different outcome and response. The mystery and the wonder not fully unveiled yet, but the majesty and the wonder of a trustworthy Savior resting in their hearts Might this happen among us as we gather at the sacred table that we would gather and say, some things, Lord, will remain mysterious to us as we take of this bread and we drink of this cup. But holy God, what will not remain mysterious if it will be upon your will and your heart, open our eyes to your trustworthiness. Open our eyes to your rescue. Open our eyes to your redemptive work. Oh Lord, put our, put our hearts on the bench and allow us to sit and ask, how will you advance what you've put in the midst of our hearts? And oh Lord, give us vision to see. And I believe fully that Jesus does in the broken bread and in the shared communion and in the body of believers coming and saying, the central story of Mandarin Baptist Church is this, it is the body and blood of Jesus. It is the hope of the cross of Jesus. It is the glorious resurrection of Jesus. It is this truth that we do not walk this road alone. Jesus walks with us, in us, and through us. Glory to God. I would close and then invite you to this table. Hope is beside us right now. Better. It's just one thing to proclaim him Emmanuel, God with us or beside us. It is another thing to proclaim Colossians 1.27. This mystery that the prophets have known, that we have known for throughout the heavenlies, for eternity, but it's an unveiling right now. God is just not beside you. Jesus said, there is a spirit of Christ that will come as I am claimed to the heavenlies that will live within you. It is Christ in us the hope of glory. And as we partake of this bread, we are partaking of the beauty and wonder of Christ in us. He's beside you. Praise Jesus. You are hidden with Christ in God. All glory to Jesus. Hope is walking with us. Hope is Jesus. He's here. We'll begin as I ended. Hope is a holy mystery forged as we follow a glorious rescuer, redeemer, and trustworthy Savior. I want to welcome you to the sacred table of communion. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are welcome at this table with us. If you invited Jesus to be your rescuer and redeemer, welcome to the table of communion. Jesus has broken bread for us so that we might see and perceive. He has spilled his blood for us. My heart wants to shout this. I'll just refrain for your sake. 
He has spilled His blood for us for the remission of our sin and the freedom of our walk in Him for consummate forgiveness and for wholeness in Christ. All glory to God in Christ. Welcome to this table. Our deacons are coming, doing what deacons do, serving, laying down their lives, distributing the beauty and wonder of Jesus. As our deacons prepare in just a moment to pass plates, we invite you to take a small piece of bread as a reminder of the body broken for you. Oh, as we take this together as a church, may it be partaken and may our hearts be open. Our minds ravaged with the wonder of Jesus. You can also take a cup symbolizing the blood of Christ shed for you. May this be a moment of ultimate hope, freedom, trust, Jesus, we come before you, worshiping for a few moments as we remember your body and your blood given for us. God, we come as one faith community, with one Savior, one hope, one baptism, one Lord, one faith, one promise, one King of glory. You are Jesus. And so, God, we just pause before you for a few moments and we worship. In Jesus' name, for the broken bread, for the beauty of the blood. As our deacons pass, would you do me this favor? We want to share in this as one. So, would you just simply take the bread and the cup and hold it for a few moments? And at the end of this moment, we'll take and eat together as one before one. Again, the table is open to all who believe.